You are listening to the e-commerce marketing school presented by Privy and Triple Whale. I'm your host, Val Geisler. Jess, thank you for joining us on the e-commerce marketing school today. You're our guest professor, and I'm so glad you're here. So excited to be here. Yay. Uh, You know, we were chatting just before this, we have 15 minutes to get in as much as we can. Um, We have a lot to cover. And I think you and I both being email geeks can talk for hours on like a single topic. Um, So we'll try to not get too in the weeds for our listeners. Um, But I wanted to have you here because you are such an expert in the like long-term retention strategy that happens through email. Um, well, probably email and SMS, uh, but I, I use email as like that lump, the life cycle marketing, uh, you know, kind of bucket. And uh, the the thing I want to talk about the most today, we're kind of doing a little series on automated emails, like flows and things like that. Um, and we have talked about some other facets of those automated, like kind of basics, foundational, um, and and then the 201 level of different automated flows. What I would love to get your insights and expertise on is that post-purchase experience. Um, and then, and since you are such a retention expert, how do we get people coming back, the, the win back experience, um, both for customers who maybe have like our low intent, but are willing to purchase again, and then also win backs in terms of like customers who have lapsed for some time. Um, You know, this is summer school and we are prepping for fall. Uh, We're recording in the middle of July right now. And if, uh, you know, I've seen some people talking about like Christmas in July, you should be talking, thinking about holiday now um, so that you're not doing it the first week of November and <laughs> hating your life. Uh, you want to start planning now for what that holiday is going to look like. And I think that like, this is such a crucial piece of how you can get holiday really right is not just planning your ad campaigns and all of that, but thinking about that experience of this is the first time you're going to acquire a whole bunch of new customers. So what is that experience like for them post-purchase? And then how do you keep them coming back in January and February and so on? Yeah, um, man, so much to dive into there from high level actionable and kind of takeaways and where we see most brands making the mistake when we're usually going into accounts and auditing and fixing things up. So I'd say first off with post-purchase nurture, where people make the most mistake is that they don't really focus on getting the customer to actually have that amazing first purchase experience. So most people are thinking about post-purchase nurture as they like, Hey, we're saying thank you. And then we're going to go cross all them. And we need to get that repeat purchase. And then we're going to try to win them back. And we always say like, win back should come after post-purchase nurture because the best way to win back a customer is to not lose them in the first place. So before we even get into all of the win back strategies, let's focus on how do we actually get, get to keep a customer from that first purchase onwards. And the first step really is to kind of break out, like you said, the customer life cycle into each of these different key milestones and stages of a customer journey. So typically when a new e-commerce brand comes in, we actually map out all their numbers for our customer lifecycle from the point when someone makes a first purchase, what percentage of those first purchasers end up making a second purchase and how long does it usually take them? And then from there, 
how many of your second purchasers go on to make a third purchase and so on and so forth. And by breaking out your customer journey, this way you can really hone in on specific areas of that customer journey. So typically with most brands, the first purchase, the second purchase is really where most of the drop-off happens in retaining customers. And then typically once someone has made a second purchase, the chances of them making a third purchase are actually significantly higher. So the hot spot to focus on really is that first purchase um, experience and where brands most of the time drop off is educating customers on like how to actually get the value out of that first purchase. You know, the sale process doesn't end just because someone bought from you before. You want to keep selling them, which is tell them, get them excited. Tell them what to expect when they receive your product. When are they going to receive your product? But also what benefits are they are, are going to kick in? What should they expect from your product in the first 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? How should they use your product? How should they store their product? How do you, should they maintain it or take care of it? Um, all of those things that allow them to get the most value out of the thing that they just bought and turn them into raving fans as quickly as possible. Like what experience do they have offline? Yeah, with- you said nurture. Like that's such an important word to keep in mind as you think about your post-purchase journey is that you are nurturing that relationship. It's not um, post-purchase selling uh, or, you know, uh, I think a lot of people think about post-purchase as like, okay, we need to give them those transactional emails, the ones that tell them about when their order's coming and that it was delivered and um, and then, you know, ask for their review and, and the referral. And those are kind of somewhat, some marketing, some transactional, that tends to be kind of the framework for most brands. Um, and what I love about that is that the bar is really low for an amazing post-purchase nurture. Um, what are some of the things that you have done with brands that you work with uh, that makes that bar just a little bit higher or like really raising it? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think kind of tied to that nurture is like the, the good question to ask yourself is like, what is that aha moment that a customer needs to have with your brand in the first, you know, two weeks, three weeks that will want get them to want to continue engaging and make it, making a second purchase? Um, it really depends on the type of product. So for example, we work with a lot of pet food brands and part of the challenge with buying pet food or supplements is how to actually get your pet to want to use it. Sometimes customers are worried about how to transition from one dog food to another dog food, or like if their dog doesn't like the flavor of the, of the food, how do you like get the supplements in there? So those are all very real barriers to aha moments that these customers are facing. So a lot of that, for example, what has worked well with us is like vet tips of here's a tip from like a real authority figure that you can trust to share how to incorporate dog food uh, or new dog food into your dog's diet. Or here are the three like positive symptoms of switching dog food that you should look for in the next two to three weeks. And you're kind of positive, positive symptoms. So it's like, wow, you should notice that your dog's coat is probably getting a little bit shinier or like they have a little bit more energy. Um, And you're kind of planting the seeds of good things to look for that they might not notice by themselves. But now that you've said it, they're like, oh, I do. I do notice that the coat is a little bit shinier. And you're kind of planting the seeds for some of these aha moments. Um, Some of it, you know, we work with a lot of fashion apparel brands as well. And a lot of that is actually community driven. So sometimes the aha moment is like there isn't as much to educate when you're buying a piece of clothing. But really great post-purchase starter series could, for for example, include five different ways to style one shirt that they bought. Or here's our community of, of like influencers or in, like fashion inspo that you should follow for these different seasons. 
um, or like, hey, you just bought this sweater, but like, here's one way to wear it in the summer, here's one way to wear it in the fall, winter, like this is an all-purpose jacket. So, and you're kind of bringing it back to what is what is going to make them a raving fan of like, wow, I'm so, this, this is my favorite sweater now, or like, wow, I really want to talk about this at over a dinner with my friends. Uh, what is the content or the experience they need to have and how do you cultivate that with uh, like, you know, through email? Yeah, I've seen some brands even do the uh, like, if they have a particular uh, focus of their their brand from a um, not necessarily like we make uh, jeans, but uh, an example would be like Everlane does this. They make jeans with a very low amount of water. There's a ton of water used in making denim and they have figured out a process to make denim with very little water consumption comparatively. So they talk a lot about that in their emails. Um, And they also employ people at a livable wage, um, which is a a very hot topic in the fashion industry. And so they actually introduce those people in their emails. Like these are the the people who are making your garments. Um, Like, you know, you get to connect. And for a consumer who is buying from that company because they're concerned about the use of water and in making denim that's a very compelling reason like you said to talk about at a dinner party or like when you're wearing the jeans you feel really good about the fact that um you know you impacted this person's life because you know they're making a livable wage you got that email and then also you have an impact on the planet because you know about their uh, sustainable water Pro, uh, processes. So uh, I think like leaning into some of that too, the the behind the business stuff that it just doesn't really surface very often. Um, we get really focused on like the the splashy stuff like social and um, the the like big influencer campaigns and uh, that we get into that world, but you can really dive deeper into the meaning behind the business. Um, and really, I think a lot of brands have that. Exactly. And I think just to kind of even dive a little bit deeper into that, I think one really important point that you're bringing up here is like with Everlane, the main why in terms of what makes a brand unique and why customers are buying from them versus another clothing brand is this sustainability piece, is the, you know, how the products are being manufactured and the uh, the people behind it. And in that case, like that nurturing and that storytelling makes sense in relation to this particular brand. If you're going to gap and buying things that way like in that case like their value prop is probably not how great the production is it's no. the opposite um and there it's like their value prop is completely different and like what they should nurture their audience with is going to be completely different so it really goes back to again the relationship with the audience of why are they coming to you in the first place what is the relationship you want to cultivate and why are they here for your particular brand when we talked to Lexi Flick recently, um, she was talking about getting some of that information out of like support tickets and talking to your support team to see what are the questions that come up a lot with your customers. Is there another place that you go to look for? Like, how do you find that that why and and the things that need to be discussed? How do you know uh, pet owners want to see a shinier coat on their dog? Um, how did you how do you find that information? Yeah, I think reviews are usually a good place to start and you kind of want to look for some of the quirky ones or like the really long ones, like the raving fan ones. What are they What are they kind of talking about? For example, with pet food brands, um, they actually, like our, our brands get a lot of emails from people that's like, oh my God, this was life-changing. So what are those stories that customers are so excited about that they're actually proactively emailing you to, to share those customer stories? Um, I think also looking on social media on the things that you aren't being tagged on, just like how people are talking about you online. 
Um, that is truly what your reputation is, right? Your reputation is how people speak about you when you're not around. So, um, so look, just kind of doing social media stalking on yourself. Um, yeah. How is coming up? What are the words that people are using? What, what forums are people speaking on? Um, you know, what is that story they're trying to tell? My favorite addition to any Google search is the word Reddit because you get all those exactly what you said, the like non-tagged conversations that are happening about your brand. So you can look up your brand uh, and maybe it's a particular product or like you can throw some other words in there and then tag Reddit on the end uh, and you'll get all those conversations that you wouldn't otherwise find if you didn't have that added on there. Exactly. I love Reddit because I mean, it's so savage that you will get, you will get the brutal truth. We're, you really we're do. At least you'll get the information. You can do something about it. You, if you're the owner operator that is diving into Reddit, you have to go in with like some guard up on your heart a little bit. You have to, you have to be in a good mental state that day. Um, but <laughs> diving in there will give you that those details that people are looking for. I think it's also a great place to do some um, objection. De- debunking, right? Like uh, there's some of that post-purchase. There's sometimes like, particularly in that period between when you actually bought it and when it arrives at your house, <laughs> there can be a like, what? why did I buy that? Why did I spend $300 on that website last night at 11 p.m.? Uh, and you want to start like uh, dispelling any concerns that they have and um, finding those posts that might hurt your heart a little bit are actually the ones that are going to help you figure out what kind of content to send to to get ahead of those issues. Exactly. And we actually do a lot of A-B testing even on this type of uh, thing as well, where it's like, I think they, there's only so much information you're going to be able to find. There's only so much everyone is sharing, but you can build two different custom, like post-purchase nurture journeys around you know, one might be nurturing them on how to use the product and maybe the other one is pointing them to social media and more community oriented and just seeing as customers are going down this customer journey, like what, how many of them come back to make a second purchase? You know, mm-hmm. what, are, what are the open and click rates on those type of particular emails? You're not going to be measuring as much on revenue since it is more of like a softer nurture um, type strategy, but you can still segment your customers into cohorts. And that's definitely more of an advanced strategy, but I think it's something worth, that's worth thinking about. Yeah. And that's really great for our listeners who already have that really strong post-purchase journey set up is to think about going in and setting up a second and do an A-B test of, um, you know, split your uh, subscribers or your customers right down the middle, 50-50 send and uh, build that secondary journey. Um, Maybe your focus has been like, okay, well, I've sent people our social channels and I've sent people to our Facebook group and, you know, done all those things in my current post-purchase journey. And so maybe you build one that's around like the why behind the brand and the people and you kind of build that like experience of relationship and then see which one um, gets those most like opens, clicks, conversions and second purchases. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Okay. So that's post-purchase. What about win back? Um, You know, we're going to acquire a whole bunch of new customers over the holidays uh, and we want them to come back after the holidays and after our sales have ended. And um, we want them to uh, like, not just the customers who are kind of light intent. We think that they might come back. We want to talk to them, but we also want to win back customers who, you know, it's now, now it's May, 2024. We haven't talked to them in a while. They haven't purchased from us since holiday. How do we get them to come back? Yeah, I think with the win back um, strategy, I mean, there's a few different elements to it. The first one that we 
people miss out on the most is really that personalization uh, piece. And when we think when we think about personalization, I think email personalization has just been like an overused term. So we're always thinking about like, you know, including their first name and the email uh, and things like that. But I think that's like 2008 kind of level personalization. Yeah. These days, personalization really needs to be around the content of the email and what types of products are being recommended and how you're positioning. So your, your personalization really is around what products you're featuring, what you're selling to them, how you're positioning that sale and how you're going to message it to them in a way that resonates with them. So for example, um, a win back flow for a skincare company, instead of just doing a general, like here's 20% off, come back and make your first purchase. Let's look back on what their first purchase was and what we can kind of extrapolate from their first purchase on what their pain points might be. So maybe they're like, I have dry skin or I have acne prone skin, or I really struggle with um, like having a daily skincare routine. How can you extrapolate your different customer cohorts from that and win them back based relating back to that pain point? So they probably still have that pain point. They still have dry skin. They still have acne prone skin. Instead of saying, hey, hey come back with 20% off our, your, you know, your next order. It's like, here's how you can continue with, you know, supporting your dry skin. Like here's a great daily skincare routine for dry skin. And also here's 20% off. Like you still want to do the offer. This is a win back strategy. It's great to incentivize as much as possible, but the positioning, the types of products that you're recommending and really guiding them to that next purchase is probably the most critical part of an effective win back strategy. And we always say at the end, like these, these, these people have received multiple campaigns from you. They've gone through your post-purchase nurture flow. They've probably gone through a replenishment flow, cost off like you need to build your win back flow with that in mind. So if none of those things have converted them up to this point, what about this win back flow is going to be different? Um, and usually the first place to start is around how can I give them the most targeted, like handheld customer journey on the next product that they should get that is the highest likelihood for them to come back and really become a raving fan. Um, and a lot of that comes in, again, in the personalization by leveraging all of that customer data from their first purchase. Yeah, I have uh, two questions for you on that. One is um, the, you, you mentioned Winback Flow. Do you typically set set up winbacks as a flow or do you ever send winback campaigns like in a in the moment I'm going to pull a group of customers and send a quick campaign off or is it usually like an automated flow with rules set up to send 6 months after last purchase or something like that? Um honestly kind of both so and we this is the same answer for all parts of the customer journey is use your flows and your campaigns kind of like a one-two punch. So your flows are kind of timing them based on where they're at in the customer journey, but your campaigns are more relevant based on like the, where they're at time of the year. Mm-hmm. So like win back strategy is like, wow, in the summer, it's just way more effective to win back like a swimsuit customer than an automated flow can possibly be. And bo- it's not either or, it's an and. Um, and you should obviously set up all of your filters and things like that to make sure people aren't getting too many emails. Um, yeah. But I, I really do think it depends often on the type of product. So for example, products that are a little bit less seasonal, like, you know, skincare, potentially uh, like dog food, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, flo- the win back flow typically skews to a higher percentage of revenue, whereas very seasonal type things, um, the campaigns are going to be uh, are going to be a little bit more, more b- bigger lift. Yeah. I think maybe unless you know, if you're launching a new product and you know from uh you know, previous interactions to that customer based off of like their purchase, or maybe they send in a support ticket, like a, a dog food one, they might, they might say, Oh, my, I'm feeding my dog, your chicken brand. And, but it, with previous brands, I have fed lamb and they really liked that, but I don't see you have lamb. 
if you if you work with your customer support team and can identify those customers who make those requests and tag them appropriately and then get them over into your email system, then when you do launch LAM, you can then do a campaign to those customers specifically like, hey, we heard your feedback and we have worked tirelessly to make sure we could get LAM in your hands and here you go. Uh, so there's, I think there are some opportunities, but you're right, it's not as, as frequent as some of the other uh, types of brands out there. Exactly. And I think you actually hit on a really great point here, which is that your win back strategy is is something that you should be consistently thinking about. It's not like, hey, we're just building our win back flow. That is our win back strategy. That's just part of it. And every promotion, every product launch, every month that you're planning a calendar, it should be, what's our strategy for converting more non-purchases on our list? What's our strategy for um, getting more repeat purchases? And also what's our win back strategy? So you're kind of incorporating your win back thinking in planning your email calendar, in launching a new product, in running a promotion. It's like, hey, we're launching this LAM product. How is this going to help repeat purchasers? But also, how could we launch this product in a way towards our win-back segment that's going to get these people to come back again? And also, you're building out a win-back flow on top of that as well. My second question for you was, like, we talked with Joanne Coffee about her quizzes at Jones Road Beauty and uh, how that's how they pull a lot of that personalization data. Are there ways to pull personalization data if you don't? I mean, you kind of touched on like you can actually use the products people purchased. Um, we talked about tags with support. Are there other ways that you can get personalized if you don't have time or want to set up a quiz? Yeah, um, I mean, quizzes are fantastic. And we also internally at Long Play, we kind of differentiate between zero party data, which is more of like customer um, like insights and also like customer behavior. So typically we skew towards trusting what a customer does more than what they say. Um, so that's why we lean a lot on like the products purchased or like what even what they're browsing on site is really yeah. important. So you can the pages they viewed, blog posts they view, like all that is very easy data for you to access and personalization. You can also build in kind of uh, survey buttons into your emails as well. So for example, we have a uh, brand that has a fitness app and that fitness app targets beginners, intermediates, and advanced um, users. So we can have those survey buttons in the email pop-up, but also in the first welcome email, we actually say like, what level of like, like, you know, fitness person are you? Are you a beginner, intermediate, or advanced? And depending on what button they click, they'll go to a different blog post or a different landing page, but we're also tagging that data for us to then, you know, uh, personalizing the post-purchase nurture. So, and you can incorporate that strategy into campaigns, different parts of flows. Um, it's consistently collecting as much data as possible throughout uh, the experience. The customer gets this really great experience of having only things that matter to them delivered to them. And then you as a marketer get all their beautiful, juicy data that you get to reuse and continue to deliver on that really amazing experience. It's like, oh, it's a total win-win. I love it. Exactly. Jess, um, again, we could talk for hours. Uh, we have a very short show. And so I want to wrap it up and ask you to share with our listeners, because I'm sure they have a million more questions for you, where they can find you, how they can reach out, best place to uh, chat with you about this episode or anything else that they have. Uh, Twitter is definitely the the channel I'm most active on these days. Um, so that's uh, my Twitter handle is Jess Chan with two J's. Um, or you can reach us at longplaybrands.com as well. Cool. Jess, thank you so much. And we're going to have to have you back for another episode to keep talking email. I think we have a lot to cover. All right, class, make sure you're subscribed to e-commerce marketing school and huge favor. If you hear an episode you love, please take two minutes to leave a review. 
With Privy, anyone can be a marketer. Simple, intuitive email and SMS marketing that drives real results without the complexity. And before I go, a special shout out to Triple Whale. E-commerce marketing school is now part of the Triple Whale podcast network. Triple Whale helps you easily manage and automate analytics, attribution, merchandising, forecasting, and more in the palm of your hand. Check them out by scheduling a demo today.